So good to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anybody rip you off. And coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rages Moment, I want to tell you about a ripoff that's hitting millions of us. It's a simple scam. And what an easy way for the crooks to make money at your and my expense. Coming up yet later, we've had tragic, devastating levels of rain and flooding in so much of the country. So many people's livelihoods ruined. I want to talk about something we're facing in the United States that we've got to deal with, and that is the risk where you live that your home might flood even if you're not in a federally designated flood zone. So I want to tell you something that is quite an interesting development. The cost of home broadband service has gotten so expensive in so many parts of the country that larger and larger numbers of consumers are disconnecting home internet and getting internet solely over their cell phone. Using their cell phone as uh, the device they spend their time on with these bigger and bigger screen cell phones. Now some cell phones approaching 7-inch screen size or tethering or hotspotting as you can with so many of the cell phone plans. The number of people that are using the internet solely on a cell phone now, nearly 40%, according to a report in USA Today. So, overwhelmingly, the people doing that are saying, hey, I found I'm just fine doing everything I'm doing on my cell phone. And this whole thing started with T-Mobile. When T-Mobile, before there was unlimited data available, went to unlimited streaming for so many video services. And that really changed the equation. And it seemed within months, a significant number of people at that point, probably approaching 10%, disconnected their home internet because they would just watch streaming video on their cell phones with unlimited that. And then when unlimited data came back to cell phones, and now virtually everybody offers that, it made it very viable for people to watch all their video content, do all their web surfing, use all their apps, and never have to pay for a home internet connection. You know, the greatest irony of all this is that the home internet connection folks from the monopoly cable companies are all imposing these draconian data caps. And when you go over them, you face massive um, surcharges on your monthly bill for going over the data caps. And the cable companies have done that to try to force people to buy pay TV from them, buy cable television programming from them. But the reality is, when you squeeze people too tight, they slip right through your fingers. And so on the cell phones, people don't have to worry about bill shock. They don't have to worry about data overages. Depending on the carrier, you may hit a point where they 
uh, do what they call network management, which is if you're in an area that's really congested and you've used a lot of data that month, they'll crawl your service while you're in a congested area or a busy time till the next billing cycle starts. But there's no overage. And that is a significant thing for your wallet as an alternative to spending the huge money you have to pay to one of the cable monopolies for home internet service. Rick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Rick. Hello, Clark. Nice to talk to you. Well, great to have you here. Uh, You're interested in buying a second home. What's the scoop? Well, for years, um, ever since I was a teenager, my family had gone to the Outer Banks in North Carolina for vacation. And I've kind of joked around the past some years about buying a place and hopefully being able to rent it out one day. And my wife and I kind of really, not real, real serious, but we're, we're looking a few years down the road that it is a possibility. So a friend of mine said, well, maybe you could, you could get, I don't know if there's a government grant or something to help with paying to remodel maybe an older home. There's a lot of older homes down there that, you know, just need some some special touch, a little tender care. So, is there any kind of government, you know, federal or local grants that you can apply for? Anything yeah. to help? But it, it doesn't know, apply to you because it's for your primary home. The okay. FHA has a program called the 203K. that is specifically for taking a beat-up home, buying it, and then using the 203K money to renovate it. Now, you have to pay the money back, but they will lend you the money for it. But it's got to be for the renovation, the fixing up of a primary residence. Is that usually a, a lesser interest rate or a... So how, how does that work? Is it considered so, like a mortgage or is it just like a... Yeah, so it ends up eventually, after you finish your renovations, it ends up being part of an FHA loan. So okay. it's like you have like almost two parts of borrowing. You have the FHA borrowing you do to buy the home in the uh, beat-up condition it's in, and then additional money that you borrow under the 203K loan and then once the renovations are done, the loans marry, and it's just one FHA loan for the home. Okay. So you that, get a fixed a rate, and lenders face a lot of risk with a rehab of a home. If, if you buy a really challenged home, and you buy it and it's all beat up, a lot of times if you're lent money that fixes it up, there's going to be not enough collateral there. So the lenders demand really high rates. And so in this case, there's there's considered to be a public interest to improve the quality of the housing stock in the country and to improve neighborhoods. And so your fellow taxpayers are essentially subsidizing these high-risk loans in order to do something that's considered to be a public good. 
but it's okay, not so designed for a vacation market or investment or anything like that. It's for a home you're going to move into and live in. So what if, what if we had planned to move in eventually? Is that it? doesn't work. Because if you're okay. still living somewhere else as your principal residence, then right. you're not going to qualify. Okay. So if there, so is, if there is anything going on like your friend was talking about uh, in a local area or whatever where they're, they're doing rehab loans for investors or rehab grants for investors, it's something that's not on my radar. It doesn't mean it's not out there. I've just never heard of that. Tim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tim. Hi, Clark. Your show makes me wish I had money. <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's the purpose of this show is to help you figure out how to have money. Oh, yeah. Well, money's never really been a large priority for me. So, But... All I that matters like... is that you're living a good life and you're good to others and you're happy in your life. I am very happy, thank you. See, that's real wealth in life. And from the sound of your voice every day, I think you're a happy man, too. I am, I am a very lucky guy. Great. Say, I want to leave my land <clears throat> to my three daughters, and my concern is that as we age, uh, our land can be attached for medical bills and that sort of thing, and... I want since I'm in good health I I would like to take care of this so that there's no reper, you know there's no uh reason for someone to attach the land later and I'm wondering if that's possible without hiring an attorney or It's definitely any- not possible without hiring an attorney. You okay. have to hire an attorney if your goal is to make this a protected asset of land that uh-huh your uh, your kids would inherit eventually and usually with this is raw land no structure on it or it has structures on it as well oh i i live here oh okay so is the principal value the land or the house um the land okay so usually what would happen in a case where the main value is in the land is a lawyer would design some form of trust and the trust would then flow to the to your kids at the time of your passing and then it would make it a protected asset not subject to liens in the event that you had um, like a massive medical expense or whatever but this is not something that anyone should ever try to do themselves because the states more and more are trying to attach assets when somebody has large unreimbursed medical expenses. Okay. And so uh, I know you may look at spending money on a lawyer as a waste. In this case, not using a lawyer would be the waste. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Now, let me tell you what kind of lawyer you would want. Okay. So... Uh, a lot of times people will think when they hear me talk about something like this that I want them to go see a real estate attorney. And that could work, but I'm much more comfortable if you go see a lawyer who does wills, estates, and trusts. And they'll look wider than just the question you asked me. 
because one of the things you want to protect is you want to protect your uh, your kids from a big tax bill. Right. Because there are certain advantages with inheriting real estate that depending on how the the land is structured legally could generate a real tax issue for them and other circumstances not at all. Okay. Then would their names actually appear on a deed uh, prior to my expiration? No. They, see, that's the idea, and this is where a lawyer who does wills and trusts is so key because the property would be owned by the trust. Oh, now it's... and then And then flow to them at the time of your passing. Well, I really appreciate it. Claire. So this is, this is a very technical area, and the lawyer you hire works for you. So tell them exactly why you want to do this and what your goals are. And again, once you're sitting with him or her, they're going to then ask you like 500 other questions you haven't thought about to this point. Okay. So be prepared for that and make sure you've got good records of uh, whatever assets you have, whatever accounts you have, that kind of thing, so that you are able to as efficiently as possible use that lawyer's time while you're with them. The more efficient you are, the lower the bill is, because remember, you're paying that lawyer for every minute you're sitting there. Today's Clark Rageous Moment has a special, special consumer warning for you. What you don't notice can cost you more money than you might imagine on your monthly bills. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. There's a rip-off, a scam, that was really big in 2012, 2013, and 2014, and now is back five years later in a big way. And I want to make sure you know how this works. There was a uh, multi-year scam that was going on with a big bank that was looking the other way, helping criminals steal untold hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even beyond that, from consumers. The bank had turned over for money to someone all the credit card numbers that they had in their portfolio. And then the crooks were putting through fake charges on accounts month after month after month after month for three years. Now, the bank was like, who, what, what did we do? We didn't do anything. We didn't see that. We just, uh, we didn't know. And guess what? 93% of consumers never noticed that fake charges were being put through on their credit cards every single month. Well, now that's back. According to Fox Business, scammers are putting charges on your credit card statement, often using things like uh, Apple iTunes as a thing or, or something like that, and putting through charges that start off very small, and if nobody's noticing, they keep raising the charges month after month. 
And people apparently are not noticing these phony charges. The worst, the worst part of this, according to the Money Tips blog, is that the criminals are apparently very heavily targeting debit card users. And if you don't notice immediately a fraudulent debit with a debit card, you don't even have the rights that a credit card user has. The money's gone forever, even if your bank says, well, yeah, we see that's fraudulent, you're still out the money. So it's up to you each and every month when your statement comes in from your bank or your credit card company, look through it. If you don't see something that looks right, you see something that doesn't look right, you dispute it. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and if you like bargains, you like deals, you'll love ClarkDeals.com. We're up to the minute. Day and night, we post the latest, greatest deals to help you stretch every dollar. You want to have your dollar ripped to shreds, you suffer a flood at your home, and have no flood insurance. You know, there's a terrible problem in the country right now where even by FEMA's own admission, flood maps are way out of date and way incomplete around the country. And then you throw in three additional factors that have made a lot more properties vulnerable, and that is the rising sea levels, and the amount of development that's happened in so many areas that were maybe formerly rural or uh, bucolic suburban that now have a lot more asphalt, a lot more ground cover that's not there, or should I say a lot less ground cover is there, and then the patterns of weather we're having that are more unsettled. You take those factors and a lot more properties are at risk of flooding. And the severity of the storms very likely may be as a result of climate change. I know that you may be listening to me saying, oh, not another one of those people talking about climate change. I, you know, I'm not smart enough to tell you what is a cyclical, terrible pattern that we've been having with storms for the last, is it, 17 years, whatever it is that we've had increasing activity and it's just a cycle or if in fact it is a result of climate change, but a lot more people have been suffering because of flooding and my heart goes out to all the people in the Midwest who have suffered mightily from the extreme levels of water that have filled rivers through so many states and devastated the lives and finances of so many families. And I remember when there was a uh, uh, one of those thousand-year floods. And by the way, when something is referred to as hundred-year or thousand-year, it's a math formula. It doesn't literally mean that it only happens once every hundred years or once every thousand years. Math can be confusing that way. But there were, in one of the storms that happened last decade, there were roughly 10,000 homes destroyed. And 
only a couple of dozen of the 10,000 had flood insurance because people were not in a federally designated flood zone and didn't know that that was a risk and didn't know they could buy flood insurance at a much lower premium if they were not in a high-risk area. So we live um, not in a flood zone where our house is, but we have two creeks that go through our, our property. And there was a big storm, very unusual storm, that dumped massive amounts of rain in six hours. And both creeks that are normally like trickling creeks became roaring rivers. And we were stunned to see water. We have, we have uh, two and a half acres of land and water just overtook our yard. And it looked like a true river, a muddy river, but a true river. And no water came in our home. But was I so glad that we have flood insurance? Because even though we're not supposed to be at risk, I mean, you look out there, you could see it. I've done so many TV stories about people who live in areas with a lot of development where water levels are much worse than they used to be because of all the paving over. And so be realistic. If you can, if you live in an area where you can look up and see development above you, the water's got to go somewhere. And that somewhere might be where you are sitting as a sitting duck. Your regular homeowner's insurance does not cover you for a flood. And if you go to floodsmart.gov, you can see what it would cost for you to buy a federal flood insurance policy. Again, if you are in a low-risk area, the premiums versus the coverage are amazingly reasonable. You get a quarter million dollars coverage for your home, and the premiums should be a few hundred dollars a year in a low-risk area. Brittany is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Clark. Thanks so much for having me um, on your show today and for always giving such helpful advice. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Brittany. Um, my question for you today actually has to do with my mom's finances. She fell upon some unfortunate circumstances about four years ago um, and filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And now she's looking for a credit card just for emergencies and to help rebuild her credit um, and then for situations where her debit card isn't accepted, like renting a car. So I was hoping you might have some suggestions for us on where to start. So first of all, how's she doing? she doing... She's doing much better, yes. Thank you. I'm so glad. Well, there's a card that is geared towards people in their 20s and 30s that actually would be perfect for her in the situation you describe, and it's called the pedal card. Have you heard of it? I haven't. No. Is that P-E-T-A-L? Yes, it is. Sorry, my diction okay. is so poor. Because <laughs> you can't tell if I'm pedaling a bike or talking like pedal on a flower <laughs> or something. But yes, it's pedalcard.com. And they have a card that has no application fee or anything like that. It's available to people who have not had a good history with credit. And the credit limits 
most people end up with a $500 credit limit, but there's no security deposit you have to pay and there's no fees to get a pedal card. If they decide that your mom is worthy enough, they'll issue her the card. The big thing with a pedal card, the interest rates you have to pay if you run a balance are really high. They're okay. uh, 15 to nearly 30%, depending on the risk level you represent. So uh, it is a great starter card for somebody and a great card for somebody to rebuild their credit. Okay, awesome. I will uh, have to look into that for her. But Also, the, if, the she, if, percentage... she, if she okay. doesn't qualify for pedal, I'm sorry to step over you there. If she doesn't qualify for the pedal card, do you know, is your mom a member of a credit union yet? She is, yes. Has she inquired with her credit union if they offer what credit unions generally refer to as a fresh start program? I will have to ask her. I don't believe that she has, but um, we'll have to check. So the way credit unions do fresh starts is your mom um, would have to put some money in the savings account at the credit union. And then they issue her a Visa or MasterCard, but it's not reported as a secured card. And then if she handles that card well, depending on the rules at the credit union, usually at a point between 6 and 12 months, they convert her to just a regular credit card customer and there's no requirement that she have any money in the savings account there. Okay. But I like the pedal card as the first try and if that doesn't work, then the second try would be a fresh start. Perfect. We will look into that. Appreciate it. All right. Best to you and to your mom. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. And Carl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Carl. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Carl. So we had a daughter calling about her mom. Now we have a dad calling about his son. That's her right. Daughter. Thank you for... Yeah. Thank you for taking my call. And sure. I've listened to you for years and years. Um, probably your first book I had was in 98 or so. And thanks for all that you do for consumers. Well, thank you. You know, I'm done writing books. I, I got a call from somebody uh, just this past weekend saying, why aren't you writing books anymore? And uh, I wrote 10 with my wonderful co-authors, but I... I find that uh, that people that are our audience that's younger now live on their cell phones and want information up to the second on their cell phones and are not really that interested in reading books. And that's I'm trying to reach people as young as I can to build good habits in them. And that sounds like what you're trying to do right now for your child. I am yes. So I have um, I have two sons who are working this summer uh, as lifeguards, and uh, I'm a podcast listener to your previous point, and I've heard you talk a lot about the online banks. And so here I am. I've probably had a relationship with a brick and mortar for over 30 years, and I haven't changed just due to lack of inertia, like they're counting on. So I wanted to sign up for a savings account for my boys so they could get you know, over 2% of interest instead of our 0.1% or whatever sure. it is that they were getting before. But when I tried, um, I looked at two of the major banks and they require um, folks to be 18 in order to sign up for an account. So I was trying to see if you had any suggestions for what we could do with someone who's under 18 
Yeah, you know, this is a royal pain is that almost no online bank allows for custodial accounts for minors. And it's just so frustrating. Uh, do you have yeah. any military background that you have access to USAA? I do not. All right. Well, let me mention this just for people who do. USAA has a great series of accounts that are geared towards, uh, they have one series for preteens and another for teenagers. The teenagers have access to savings accounts and uh, just the equivalent of a checking account, both available to them. You know, working their first jobs, they can immediately set up uh, accounts just like an adult would have. Other than that, Capital One has an account that they call the kids' savings account. Now, the bummer is they pay half on it what the prevailing rate is right now for online banks. So your sons would only earn 1% instead of earning uh, 2%. So let me give you an alternative I like even better. Okay. And that is for you to march your kids into a Charles Schwab office and open a kid's investment account at Charles Schwab. Okay. And so your kids don't have to have any minimum to open an account at Schwab, and it can be used for investing, it can be used for saving, it can be used for a checking account. It's like an all-in-one kind of thing. But because they're teenagers, I love for them to start being introduced to the concept of investing. And Charles Schwab has a bunch of funds that cost no commissions and are basically zero-cost management fee for investing. Okay. Do you have a Schwab office near you? I'm pretty sure I do. And, I mean, some of my retirement accounts are with Schwab. Um, So I'm, I'm pretty sure there's one here in the Triangle area. So, yeah. Oh, you're you're in the Research Triangle? There's yeah. probably several Schwab offices. <laughs> yeah. So do you know what's going on at your airport in Raleigh? What do you mean? Your airport has some of the most competitive airfares now in the United States. And the crazy thing is Raleigh used to be one of the most expensive airports to fly into and out of in the United States. And now all three deep discounters fly to Raleigh and it's caused fares in Raleigh to collapse. So. Yeah, I've been tracking. We've, we've been traveling a bit. I travel a lot for work, but uh, I do like to take the family on vacation. So I'll keep an eye out. All right. Well, I'm so glad you're getting your kids involved with the concept of saving money and maybe they'll save somebody's life this summer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dave is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. So I'm so interested in having your call because so many people get confused by the company that you're inquiring about. So go ahead and name them, if you would. Uh, I'm inquiring about SoFi, an online bank. Well, SoFi is an organization that its original reason for being was doing student loan refinances, and now they are doing all different kinds of things. They're doing student loans. They're doing personal loans. They are in the mortgage business. They have an investing arm for people who want to invest money. They now sell all different kinds of insurance. And they have bank accounts. So it's really crazy how this organization that was just a really, really basic organization is now trying to become a complete financial supermarket. One of the important things to me, Clark, about an online bank is, uh, as you've mentioned, is the FDIC insurance part of that. And so I was really trying to, I think uh, a couple of months ago on your show, you had mentioned to uh, ensure you could actually log on to the FDIC website to make sure that the bank is insured. And when I did that, I couldn't find the bank. Uh, SoFi is not listed on the FDIC website. So I actually called the FDIC and SoFi and, and was just confused on, uh, they say that they are insured through other banks, but I really couldn't verify that. And I was just wanting your opinion on uh whether or not it truly is FDIC insured and how I can verify that. All right. So I love your question. So what they're doing is they're offering a checking account that pays the highest rates just about in the country. They're paying 2.25%. Or is that what they're paying right now? They were offering 225 somewhere in that area. And they actually don't have their own bank charter. So the way they get around the FDIC rules is they deposit people's money every day with FDIC-insured banks, and then they pay the banks to basically hold the money. So the banks hold the money for them because they're getting a little cut of the action, and then because they use so many different banks, people can put much more money in than the normal FDIC limit of a quarter million. Mm-hmm. They're not the only ones doing this. There are a number of operators that are offering bank-type accounts and not holding bank charters. And it's something that, as best I know, has not blown up on anybody. It just is not the straight, simple kind of thing of putting your money in a bank and you have to weigh how much money you want to put in something that is indirectly FDIC insured instead of directly FDIC insured. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.